A City Under Siege. No, that isn't the beginning of a novel set in medieval times. It's happening right now in southeastern Ukraine. Mariupol, the second largest city in the region, is completely cut off and thousands are trapped inside. The Ukrainian port city of Mariupol is on the Black Sea, which means it's close to Russia. Russian forces have been assaulting the city for more than a month, and it has seen some of the most brutal fighting of the war. The mayor of Mariupol said that over 10,000 civilians have been killed in the fighting. If the war drags on, he worries the number could easily double. In his own words, bodies are already carpeted through the street. Unless something drastic happens, Mariupol will remain under siege. Over 100,000 people left alone. But someone was more alone than any of us have ever been. Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross for the sins of the world. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Some call this week Holy Week. Some call today, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. But we are continuing a series called Seven Sayings from the Cross. And with us again today is Dr. N.T. Wright. We've heard from this famous theologian a lot this week, and I've enjoyed it. He may be the world's greatest expert on the bodily resurrection of Jesus, but today he's sharing with us about the week leading up to the crucifixion. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, it must have looked as though he was staging a triumph. But that wasn't how things worked out. Within a few days, he had caused uproar. He had challenged the temple authorities and implicitly threatened the rule of Rome. The people in power reacted. They planned to arrest him and kill him. Eventually, according to the Gospels, he gathered his closest associates together for a meal in an upstairs room. We now know that meal as the Last Supper. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Over a thousand years later, the Crusaders decided that this was the room where it all took place. As medieval Christians, they tended to see the event colored by what they knew took place next. And for them, they assumed that the disciples, like Jesus himself, had the resurrection in mind throughout the whole event. But there's nothing of that in the original stories. On the contrary, they sound more like Jesus saying goodbye to his followers. There's no mention of resurrection. There's not much about a hint of triumph even. All we have is a strange sense that somehow maybe God's kingdom was going to come at last. They thought they knew what that would mean, but they were wrong. That night, in a garden called Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, one of Jesus' friends betrayed him to the authorities, and he was arrested, tried, and condemned. From the triumphal entry to the cross at Golgotha. That's the story of what many people have called Holy Week. And the excerpt we just heard is from the documentary by N.T. Wright called Resurrection. 
In a moment, we're going to look at the fourth and fifth statements from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the other one, I thirst. What can we learn from the final words of Jesus? Stay with me. Let's be blessed together. After this program, I want to send you a copy of the Resurrection DVD for your gift of support to this ministry this Easter. It was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England, and traces the historical roots of the resurrection in both Scripture and history. I know it will encourage your faith that it'll help your family and friends who don't believe see that there is real evidence that Christ did indeed rise again. Our number after the program is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website, make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Later in the program, we're going to catch up with a man who is helping rescue refugees in Ukraine. That's where he is right now. But first... Let's worship the Lord together. Unto the hill of Calvary, my Savior went courageously. And there he bled and died for me. Hallelujah for the cross. And on that day the world was changed A final perfect lamb was slain Let earth and heaven now proclaim Hallelujah for the cross Hallelujah for the war he fought Love has won, death has lost the souls he bought, hallelujah for the cross. What good I have done could never save my debt too great for deeds to pay. But God, my Savior, made a way, hallelujah for the cross. A slave to sin. Was bound, but all my chains fell to the ground when Jesus' blood came flowing down. Hallelujah for the cross! Hallelujah for the war he fought. Love has won, death has lost. Hallelujah for the souls he. This hope will guide me into death. Hallelujah for the cross.
This is Haven Today. We're in a series this week leading up to Easter, Seven Sayings from the Cross. I'm Charles Morris, and that was the Newsboys. Hallelujah for the cross. Jesus was an innocent man dying an unjust death. Actually, that isn't all there was to it. He was a righteous man, the only truly righteous person to ever live. In his three decades of life, he had never sinned, never broken God's law, not even one time. As Pilate said, there was no fault in him. Yet he was illegally tried, unfairly condemned, nailed to a cross like the worst of criminals. That's what happened one afternoon, nearly 2,000 years ago. It was on a hill called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. But this man had to die for anyone to be saved. And while he was nailed to the cross, Jesus proclaimed the gospel, the message of salvation in seven sayings. That's what you and I have been thinking about this week. And today we come to sayings four and five. In Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. there are these famous words about three in the afternoon, Jesus crying out on a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this fourth saying of Jesus, you can hear his anguish. Nothing like it had ever been heard before. Nothing like it will ever be heard again. The God-man was suffering in the place of those who trust in him. Christ earned their heaven by going through their hell. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And you know, there may be something in the story of the crucifixion that we don't maybe notice so easily. This horrific method of execution was reserved for criminals, of course, the worst of the worst, the ones the Romans wanted to make examples of. So Jesus hung between two convicted criminals, but there were three crosses already prepared. Why? Well, this third cross was meant for Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? Pilate normally released a prisoner at Passover, and that bloodthirsty crowd wanted Jesus dead. So Pilate freed Barabbas. Or to put it another way, Jesus died on the cross that was meant for Barabbas. The perfect one died the death that another had earned. And in a very real way, Jesus also died on the cross meant for us, believing sinners that we are. That's the gospel. In a nutshell, Christ in the place of sinners. But this wasn't the only thing he said on the cross that showed his suffering. The fifth saying is found in John 19. Knowing that everything had now been fulfilled and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst or I am thirsty. We've all experienced the thirst of a hot summer day after hours of maybe working in the yard. And you need a drink. And nothing else matters until you get a drink. I'm speaking of water, of course. Yeah, none of us have experienced the thirst that belonged to our Lord on the day he was crucified. He thirsted, showing how much suffering he experienced in his body. Whipped, beaten, 
carrying the crossbeam up the hill in the midday sun, only to be nailed to the cross and lifted up into the air to die. How could he not be thirsty? Here was the Lord of all creation, suffering as a man nailed to a cross, and Jesus had to suffer in order to save his sinful people. This is the greatest story ever told, the story that's all about Jesus. Without the crucifixion and then the resurrection, you and I would have no hope. Things like the atrocities happening in Ukraine would be all we could ever expect. But Jesus died for sinners. He rose again the third day. He's coming back. So everyone who repents and trusts in him can know that a better day is on its way when God wipes away every tear from our eyes because Jesus suffered all that anguish on the cross. All I can say is what a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless lamb of God was he, full atonement can it be, hallelujah, what a
He's a little more known in the Southern Gospel world, but that song, Hallelujah, What a Savior, sung for us today by Joseph Habedonk, is something we needed to hear on this Haven Today, a program called Seven Sayings from the Cross. A couple of weeks ago, we talked to a man named Daniel in Ukraine, or as I've affectionately spoken of him, as Daniel in the lion's den. He's a former Amish man who came to understand grace. And he and his family are working with plain compassion crisis response to get Ukrainians freed who are stuck behind Russian lines. We wanted to ask him to share a little bit about how things are going. So we were working on the second front of the Russian invasion on the kiev Chernigov region. We're also working on developing a network of contacts and connections in eastern and southeastern Ukraine, where the offensive is still ongoing, and they're anticipating a significant Russian push in the next week or two. They're expecting all the the 40,000 troops that pulled out of Kiev to go to the east and do a massive push. So we're really praying into that. We are redeploying our teams into strategic places to prepare so we're, in, so we're positioned in place and ready when that invasion happens. Just last night, we had, a, we had 33 people at our base. And this morning, they were all sent to Lviv in western Ukraine or to the Poland border. And there was one lady there that we did get her story. She came out of a large town in eastern Ukraine that was totally destroyed by the Russian airstrikes and cruise missiles coming in. She said there is no buildings left standing anymore. They were fleeing the area with a bunch of other people and they were being shot at or the group they were with was being shot at. Uh, The bombs were exploding and they narrowly escaped with their lives, but they made it. And we ended up picking them up several hours from their house at a staging area and took them the whole way to probably 12, 14 hours west of there. We also asked Daniel to share with us what he's hoping to see at Easter this year in Ukraine. Number one would be redemption. This country needs some serious redemption. Russia needs it as well. And the people we meet are tend to be bitter and They need redemption too. So it'll be interesting going through Easter. Redemption, resurrection, resurrection comes after redemption. I mean, it's so intricately intricately tied together, however we say that word. It's basically the essence of why we're here. We're here to bring redemption and healing to mankind, be they Ukrainian, Russian, or wherever. And that's why we're here. My mission field is the person that's in front of me, be it my wife, my children, my neighbor, the people out in the street, it doesn't matter. That is my focus. If God sends somebody in front of me, that is who I am called to minister to. And obviously, since we're here in Ukraine, it is primarily geared towards the Ukrainian people as well as our team members. And I am intentional with with depositing God in everyone I meet. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each lesson that is on here. Lord, we bind all spirits of darkness. We take it to the cross and we pray for a release of your glory, your intimacy, and your presence to every single person who listens to these words. And Lord, we 
We gather up all the darkness, all the pain, the shock and trauma over Russia, over Ukraine, over Eastern Europe, and we take it to the cross. And Lord, we pray for a release of your glory, of healing and reconciliation for the Russians and the Ukrainians, that whatever you want to see happen out of this must manifest in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the Russian people, the Ukrainian people, for these listeners. And we pray for your peace. Touch it to each one of us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. How much I appreciate the heart of Daniel, that Daniel in Ukraine right now, helping those in the worst situations in Ukraine. And when they rescue these people, they hug them. They share food with them. And they pray for them. If you'd like to send a hug and some food and the word of God to refugees in Ukraine going into Easter, we are sending along 100% of your gifts to Mission Eurasia. $50, feeding a family of five for a week. How many families can you feed in the name of Jesus? They've now distributed more than 18,000 boxes of food. I'll give you our contact information so that you can be part of this great work in the name of Christ. And just before we go, we heard from Dr. N.T. Wright earlier from his resurrection documentary. I think you're going to enjoy watching this epic film. It almost feels like going on a vacation many of us haven't had in a few years. It was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England. More important, this film will help you better understand what the Bible teaches about the resurrection. Consider the evidence. As we've seen, in the ancient world, bodily resurrection was impossible. Even for those Jews who had come to believe in it, resurrection was something that would only happen at the end of the world. But the early Christians actually saw an empty tomb in the here and now. And Jesus physically appeared to them. His body, they said, had been transformed. Far and away, the best explanation is that it actually happened. The early Christians saw this event as the beginning of God's new creation. That was why, very quickly, the Christian faith exploded into life right across the world. Jewish belief in the one God and his plan for the world was transformed by belief in Jesus' resurrection into a way of life for all people. It's an astonishing thought that what we today know as Christianity, the saints and the sinners, the art and the preaching and the churches and the scholarship, it all derives from one man and what happened to him. And this way of life carries its own hope for the future, not just a life after death in the usual disembodied sense, but a real, new, bodily life. Jesus was crucified, he died, he was buried, it was real, it was horrible. He went to the place of the dead, however you want to describe it. But then after that, he was raised, his body was transformed. And that's what's promised to us as well. One day we too will die, and if we belong to Jesus, we will go to be with him. But our bodies will stay dead until the time when God renews the whole world and gives us new bodies like Jesus to live in it. 
That's N.T. Wright. He's considered to be the conservative authority on Christ's resurrection. And the excerpt we just heard is from his documentary called Resurrection. I know when you watch it, your faith will grow. That Jesus Christ is indeed alive today. You can also share the DVD with those around you who don't believe and pray that the solid evidence that's presented here will cause them to trust in the risen Lord. I'd like to send you the Resurrection DVD as our thanks for your gift supporting the resurrection outreach of Jesus Christ here on Haven Today. So you can call us right now, make a gift for the Resurrection DVD or for Ukrainian relief at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go to our website and make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again tomorrow. It'll be Good Friday. And together again, we'll share the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Do you remember the dread of exams in school? No matter how hard you had studied, they could stress you out. Then there was the bad dream. You showed up to school only to find out the test was on something you never even studied. And we don't stop dreading things once we're out of school either. But none of us have ever had as much reason to dread something as our Lord did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. He prayed, My Father, if possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus obeyed his Father's will despite the cost, and we have salvation because of it. Anchor Devotional is available in print monthly. Visit GetAnchor.com.